Welcome to Drink to the Past, the only podcast where I'm too cheap to buy a cocktail shaker, so I make all my cocktails in a Tupperware. That's a true story. My name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, as always, I'm your host, and this is my uh, co-host, that guy. Chris, esteemed co-host Audette. Esteemed. 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 All right. Hams. I'll, I'll, I'll drink to that, apparently. And so will Principal Skinner. Yeah. <clears throat> Anywho. Uh, all right. So let's get right into the podcast today. Um, my uh, Sean Drinks Something Stupid is an apple teeny, which I had another one of those doohickeys for. So I just dumped in a bottle of apple-looking stuff, uh, shook it up in a cocktail shaker. And by cocktail shaker, I mean a Tupperware. Uh, with a shot of rum, or not rum, hold on, what, uh, gin, no, vodka, that's it. I, I guess, I mean, you could use gin, people use gin, but James Bond used vodka, so it must be better that way, right, if James Bond does it that way? Is that how that works? Uh, I think, yeah, gin or vodka are both acceptable. Right, but James Bond makes it cool. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, it's an apple teeny, so I don't know if that's even the same stuff as a regular martini or not. I, I have no idea. I have no idea what's in a vodka mar- or in a regular martini other than the vodka and or gin. So, yeah, I have no idea. But uh, what about had, the olives? Uh, I guess there is olives. Yeah, uh, but but like, is that is that? I don't know. I've never had a martini. I need to go to a bar and go get a martini now, but I can't because all the bars are closed in the world. It is coronavirus season. Yeah. Stupid ass virus. Anyways, I'm going to drink Let's this see. thing now. Ingredients. Uh-huh. One part dry vermouth. Vermouth? And uh, three parts gin. Didn't you play a character named That's Vermouth it. once? I, uh, that was my apprentice. <laughs> right. <laughs> he wore a dress. And we didn't actually remember what his name was. It started with the letter V, so we went and flip-flopped through different things until we eventually settled on vermouth. So, that worked. Anyways, yeah, this tastes like a friggin', like, apple-flavored candy. Uh, Remember those when you were a kid? Apple, yeah, those are kind of weird. Yeah, it tastes exactly like that. It's like mildly tart, mostly just sweet all up in your face. Uh, don't taste the alcohol in there, so have two or three of these, then I'll have to call my dad to come pick me up from Buffalo Wild Wings. Is that where you are? No, but uh, there's a... Oh. That, that was a story that I was referencing because my wife is in the room and she gave me a funny look. <laughs> Back when we were dating, that uh, happened. So, I believe that story. Yeah, it was funny. So I, apparently, a vodka martini is a different thing than a regular martini. Huh? Would have had no idea. Yeah, that, I just learned that today. Yeah. I don't know. We call it drink to the past, but mostly we're like beer and shot kind of guys. So, you know, I, I I mix it up every now and then because it's fun and interesting. But I don't know crap about non-beer and shots. So what are you drinking, Chris? Beer is a drink. Yeah. 
I am drinking one of my old standbys, uh, left-hand milk stout nitro. Ah, sweet. In that case, I was hoping you would drink a stout, because that means stout month can continue for its eighth consecutive week. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That's a long month. Yeah, well, we were late a week, so we had to do some extra. It's okay. The coronavirus only lasts a month. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It'll last a 16-week month, maybe. Right. 20, 24 weeks. You know. Don't know. Anywho, let's get into the news and booze here. Um, so I'm going to rate this Apple Teeny. Um, I don't know. 12. I like Apple candies, but, I mean, it doesn't taste like anything other than Apple candies. So, yeah, that's fine. 12. A little bit above, like, average plain old thing because I like Apple candies. Uh... You gonna rate that booze, or are you gonna sit on it for a minute while we go through the news? Oh, I think I'll give it a standard like fifteen. All right, pretty good. Yeah, I've had that left hand. Um, most things from left hand are pretty good, but particularly that milk stout is one of their biggest selling ones. It's real popular, um, and it's it's a pretty solid uh, nitro milk stout. Is that the nitro one? That is the nitro. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think they do sell both versions of it. I feel like the nitro is the one you see more often, though, uh, which is good. It, that creaminess of the nitro feel really works well with the milk stout flavor, I think. Yeah. It's still pretty good, even warm. Nice. All right. And uh, anyways, into the gaming news. Uh, so today, uh, actually yesterday, we had a inexplicable shadow-dropped Nintendo Direct Mini was no announcement or anything. They didn't go live. They just were like, I woke up yesterday having no idea that it existed. And on my Twitter feed uh, and my YouTube uh, push notifications are all just like, hey, there's a direct. This person's watching the direct. This uh, other person has like, <laughs> you know, footage from the new demo that Shadow dropped, stuff like that. So I'm like, ah, I got spoiled on like half of it because... Like, it was just in my YouTube push notifications, and I couldn't not see it, because nobody said anything about there being a direct. So, yeah, that was weird. Uh, did you watch it, Chris? I, no. <clears throat> okay. Usually I learn about this stuff, the little, little secret here, usually I learn about all this as soon as I come on the podcast. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so a couple of, uh, we're just going to go through some of the headlines here. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition is launching May 29th. That's kind of cool. Bioshock and Borderlands are coming to Nintendo Switch, also May 29th. Uh, Catherine Full Body is coming. Uh, that's kind of a cult classic sort of puzzle game thing. Uh, that is a game I always wanted to pick up. Yeah, I I didn't hear much about it until, like, the Switch version was announced or rumored, and suddenly, like, everybody was like, put this game on Switch, put this game on Switch, and I was like, I never even heard of it. What is it about? I don't know. So, uh, uh, the... It's about... It's about a guy who, uh, gets seduced, uh, by a woman away from his girlfriend and then he starts having fucked up dreams about sheep and blocks 
Mm-hmm. And uh, if he fails, he dies. Uh huh. Yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, I kind of got a little bit of that from the trailer. It looks pretty weird, but uh, also kind of interesting because like the gameplay is like almost all like puzzle weird stuff when you're asleep. And then it almost looks like a dating sim when you're awake. It's like, what? what is even going on here? Yep. It's weird. But uh, a lot of people like it, so I'm happy for them. And I don't know. Maybe I'll check it out. I have no idea. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Academy came out and Shadow Dropped. Uh, Ring Fit and Animal Crossing oh, yeah. got uh, some various updates. The Ring Fit Adventure update I thought was kind of cool. Um, it gives a new free run mode so you can just walk through all of the areas in the game uh without bothering to do monsters so if you just kind of want to get a light workout with some like jogging and pushing stuff uh you know i i think it looks a lot like uh a little bit more casual kind of thing i think it looks kind of better because like the battles were like interesting but also like tedious and it's like if there's like more than four or five battles in a level it's like actually a pretty serious workout and then i'm just like i don't want to do any more levels so you can just kind of run through the world in this mode and there's also another mode that's like a rhythm game where you kind of move your ring and squeeze it to the beat of different nintendo songs which is kind of cool there's like a medley from splatoon and a medley from zelda and uh super mario odyssey and stuff like that you you also got to appreciate Nintendo's continued attempts to get us off our asses. <laughs> right? Uh, especially when, you know, we're all locked in our house and nobody can go out and go to GameStop. And even if they could, Ring Fit is sold out at most places. <laughs> uh, Panzer Dragoon Shadow dropped yesterday on Switch. That's pretty cool. Uh, you seem like you would like Panzer Dragoon. Have you ever played those games? I assume you have. Was that the Sega Saturn cult classic? Yeah, it's a rail shooter uh, where you're kind of on this dragon and going through levels and shooting stuff. Are you there? See, I'm trying to copy Panzer Dragoon, but it's just pasting the word tenuous into Google. How dare you? Here, I'll delete it for you. Will that help? Ha ha ha, I foiled your plans again. Let me see. Yeah, it is that game. It's the other cool Sega Saturn uh, cult classic. Yeah, I figured you would probably have known about and played that one since you're so big into Dreams. Or, uh, Nights into Dreams. Not Dreams, which Dreams is a new game. Yeah. Answer Dragoon cost like 200 Dollars wow. just by itself. Uh, well, so, now you can get it on Switch time, for probably cheaper. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, they announced a little bit more of the Pokemon DLC details. Um, so that looks... Yeah, it's, it wasn't a huge update, but it's like you go to the island and you start training at a dojo and a guy gives you a legendary Pokemon for no fucking reason. 
Okay, but whatever. I get a legendary Pokemon. Anyways, and then there's two towers, and you choose one of them, and based on which one you kick its ass uh, when your legendary Pokemon evolves into a bigger legendary Pokemon, he gets a certain fighting stance, which I think is probably means he gets a different ability, uh, which I don't know exactly what the difference is, but it's I one of them's like dark type and one of them's like water type, so that sounds kind of interesting. Um, and other than that, like the Pokemon DLC is just another big old wild area with, uh, different stuff to explore, stuff to find, raids to do, and apparently some dungeons. So that sounds cool. Um. No, I knew I was forgetting about a game. <clears throat> did you forget about Pokemon again? I did. Uh-huh. You got that? Or did you? I never did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I like it pretty well. It's done, uh, I feel like it's a little bit hit or miss, but most people seem to be, like, really big into it. I didn't care for it as well as I liked, um, like, Black and White I really liked, and um, X and Y, and then kind of after that I sort of started trailing off with, like, I've got one of every generation, but I'm just like, yep, it's Pokemon. Uh, so, uh, like, there's stuff to like about it, certainly. If you like Pokemon, you'll like it, but it's Pokemon. It's kind of expected at this point. Um, next thing, uh, Bravely Default 2 trailer came out, and they shadow-dropped a demo for Bravely Default 2, uh, which I played briefly yesterday. Uh, mostly I just kind of ran around, like, grinding in the overworld for a little bit, um, because the, like, it... You start it up, one of the things I thought was cool is it tells you right away that it's like, this is kind of a side story that doesn't exactly impact the full game. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. Because uh, normally in a demo, it's like, oh, I, you know, I got spoiled on the first chapter and then I have to replay the first chapter or something. And if you're lucky, then maybe it'll keep your save data. But most of the time it's like, okay, I got to replay a chapter or something. But this is actually really, like a unique chapter that's specifically for the demo. It's also more honest in a way. Uh-huh. Because a lot of those demos are independently developed from the game. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, so it kind of drops you in. true to its roots. Yeah. It kind of drops you in. It gives you your four characters, uh, kind of briefly introduces them, which I feel kind of cheapens them because uh, I feel like characters in JRPGs are like one of the big reasons that you play a JRPG. So I'm like, I want to really see the intro for this character because they're, they're all like fun and fine, but I'm like, I would really kind of want to see them from the beginning, you know? So I feel like it the demo doesn't give you a good... V- idea of what the characters are all about it's mostly just kind of to show you the mechanics and see what's up with that uh mechanically it i think it's very similar to the first bravely default which i didn't play but uh from what i've read and heard about it it sounds pretty much the same which is also very similar to octopath traveler which i talk about all the time because i fucking love that game um and but I feel like coming from Octopath directly to this one, like the combat just feels a lot slower because basically both games kind of revolve around you gaining BP, uh, which is uh, battle points in Octopath Traveler, and it's called something else. It's called Brave Points in this one. 
but uh, yeah, so basically you get uh, one BP every turn. You can stack up to five in Octopath Traveler, and you can use up to three at a time to make your moves more powerful. In the Bravely Default games, you don't get them automatically every turn, but if you want to, you can use your default command, which will give you one point. So you can get one every turn, but you have to basically spend that turn doing nothing but that. And one of the classes has, like, a guard ability that when you're defaulting, you have, like, way increased defense. So that's kind of useful. So I bet there's probably other mechanics around that. But just having to manually add these points, I feel like, slows down the system. And it... I guess there's an argument that could be made that it, like, makes it a more deep strategic system. But I felt like it was the same thing... As, but but not as good. Go ahead, Chris. So the first Bravely Default also had this system. Uh-huh. And then Octopath Traveler came along later. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Octopath Traveler was a refinement on that system. Yeah, because that's, that's kind of what it feels like, though, is going into the Bravely Default 2 demo feels like I'm going into an unrefined version of the system from Octopath Traveler. To me, which which maybe it doesn't feel that way. If you just played the original one anyway, then maybe you'll just have that familiarity. I don't know. But to me, it's like, they fixed this in Octopath Traveler. Why did you go back to it? Because uh, I feel like just in Octopath Traveler, combat flows a lot more uh, quickly because you're not spending extra time to, you know stack up your brave points and whatever. Um, and it, I don't know, it, it just, I, I feel like it feels way better in Octopath Traveler. So, I don't know, that's just my two cents. Um, but obviously I never played the first two Bravely Default games, so there you go. Uh, Burnout is coming to Nintendo Switch. Uh, Burnout Paradise Remastered, I believe, uh, specifically, which is neat because Burnout is cool. I haven't played a Burnout game in a like since Xbox 360, it's been a while. Um, and Burnout is from EA, so EA is like actually doing something on Switch. Uh, they had a couple of other games. I don't remember Burnout which ones they the, were. I'm not surprised it's from EA. It describes their employees' condition. Hmm. But like, it's kind of nice to see that EA yeah, is actually like putting a real game on Switch instead of just yeah. a crappier version of FIFA. And then when they, it was so stupid because like the year Switch launched, they were like, okay, we'll test the waters by giving you a crappier, dumbed down version of FIFA. And then like, uh, that didn't sell very well, so they thought, oh, we'll give you, like, a real version of FIFA the next year, and then they, like, one of their sales reps or something was going on Twitter, like, this didn't sell very well, and we're not sure we want to do this in response. I think it was on in response to somebody asking about it, and it's like... I gotta ask a real question here. Uh-huh. Uh, why do people go still? Why do people what? Go work for EA still. They need money. Yeah, but you can get <laughs> money doing things that are less demeaning. Uh, like, um, like porn? <laughs> yeah. Porn's not that... Uh, 
I will challenge people who say porn is demeaning. Right. Would you rather work for EA or be in a porno? Uh, probably the second one. All right. I would have more fun. Yeah. Probably make more money. Might get laid. And come out the other side still, in you know, a human being. <laughs> yeah. But, again, it's like EA controls enough properties that I think would be good on Switch that I'm just like, come on, guys, put your stuff on Switch. Like, if Jedi Fallen Order was on Switch, I probably would have bought it last year. But EA is, like, so, like, not putting stuff on Switch. And they own the rights to Star Wars video games right now. So it's like, ah, what do I do? I want my Star Wars games, but I want them on Switch, like, almost unanimously. Yeah, I'm glad about the Jedi Academy drop. Yeah, that and um, Star Wars Episode One Racer also is coming. I don't remember if that shadow dropped or if that's coming, but I thought that was kind of cool because, like, that was, like, one of my jams when I was a kid, you know. Back in the oh, N64 nice. playing that, and I remember talking to all the kids at school when we figured out, like, the uh, there's, like, a super boost ability or something. It's, like, a mechanic that's kind of hidden in the game. It doesn't specifically tell you, but then, like, uh, some of the harder races, literally just you are required to use this mechanic in order to beat them. So I'm like, yeah, it's kind of hype. Bring back pod racing. And last thing from the Nintendo Direct Mini, uh, in June they will reveal the uh, first character for the Super Smash Bros. DLC pack, uh, and it's going to be a character from ARMS. Huh. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, uh, they also announced that they're doing like a free online demo of ARMS again as well, which uh, I did the first demo. And that's kind of what hooked me, and that's why I bought the game. I think the game is amazing. Uh, I just, like, so, got on that demo, and I was like, yep, okay, I'm buying it. one character for ARMS? Yeah, uh, well... Do you think it's going to be, like, a bunch of different characters as skins? I was wondering about that, because most of them would work. You, like, you could do probably, you know, at least a few characters and just reskin them, you know. Because effectively every arms character is the same except for, you know, you have your lights, your heavies, and your mediums. And then everybody has some kind of special ability. And depending on what you did, like if you rolled those all into one, you could totally just reskin and it would be fine. Um, so they didn't specifically say. They said the character uh, will be in revealed in june and released in june uh so i think that's pretty cool anyways and i feel like no matter who they are from arms i feel like you can't really go wrong like pretty much all the characters from that are unique distinctive and they're just gonna like fit right into smash i feel like arms is like i'm almost surprised there's not an arms character in the first dlc you know yeah, uh, it's not. I don't think it was one of their more popular properties, but it, it definitely sold deserved that pretty character. well. Because for a new IP, um, it's broke. Uh, I think three million copies. I I would have to look that up to be sure, but it sold pretty well. Uh, you know, for a launch year Switch title, I'm like that. That that was just another one of those things that I feel like launching 
a new IP in the launch year of Switch was just a good idea, too, because I feel like everybody was really, really hot on Switch right there in the launch year. Yeah. I feel like everything did really well that year, basically, because <laughs> people bought new console and they were like, we need games. We need lots of games. Breath of the Wild being on that one's pretty nice. Yeah. Like, without Breath of the Wild or something, like, it would have had not nearly as the impact. So, I'm also kind of glad that Breath of the Wild got to release on there, because if Breath of the Wild had released just on Wii U like they originally planned, like, it would have just died in the water. So, like, two million copies and been done. <laughs> And it would just be yeah. this, like, treasure for the few of us that actually owned a Wii U. It would be sad. Yeah. So, I have a piece of news. Piece of news. So, Mountain Blade Banner Lord mm -hmm. release date has been changed due to the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. That seems They've to keep happening. They've actually moved it up one day. They've, they've moved it to March 30th. Okay. And <laughs> that's uh, that's some hard-hitting news right there. <laughs> well, given that the game's taken about eight years to come out. Right, they're just it's like... It's pretty good news. Okay, we need, we need it out now, guys. <laughs> We're out of money. So, yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, anything else to say on that? And we'll move to our last news and booze topic. Uh, GameStop has closed all their storefronts, at least in America. Um, so they're doing, like, you can buy stuff online and get it picked up in store, and then you just drive to the store, and, like, I guess you call them and tell them you're there, and they'll bring it out to you. I just knocked on the door. My wife apparently just knocked on the door. So I guess, you know, whatever works. But, um, yeah, so this is kind of crazy i know a handful of people that work at gamestop and it's like totally upended like everything they do and they're just like business is not very good anymore so it's like <coughs> kind of scary stuff for the world of gamestop i don't know if it's gonna go very well for them i'm like reggie are you sure you picked a good job <laughs> can can reggie save this can reggie save gamestop like the everybody hand, was I'm fond of Reggie. Right, yeah. Like when the he got hand, hired, everybody. I don't like GameStop. Right. But it's like everybody was saying Reggie would save GameStop, and now the coronavirus is like, hey, no, I'm not gonna let Reggie save GameStop. Yep. <laughs> so Sad I don't know, it's say, uh, Reggie versus coronavirus. Fight to the death. Who will win? Get your tickets now. Sunday, 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 and kid seats are still just five bucks. Because no one is entering. Please come to no our fucking going. show. Nobody's gone to a monster truck rally in years. Decades. Has anyone even seen an ad for a monster truck rally? Yeah, you know, I haven't, but I don't watch like regular TV anymore, so I don't know where they advertise, right? Because they used to yeah, just dude, advertise on television, but they clearly can't advertise on Netflix or Disney Plus or, uh, well, that's pretty much the, like, I guess they could advertise on YouTube, but I've never seen it. But YouTube also does, like, K-1 
catered ads based on the content you view. So, you know, might just be that I never look up monster truck videos, so I never see that kids' seats are still just five bucks. I wonder if they are still just five bucks. Maybe they're ten bucks Let's now. Let's see. I don't know. They're probably ten bucks now. I mean, they're probably sold out now. I mean, closed down now because they're probably canceling all the rallies because of a coronavirus. I mean, there is Monster Jam. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It actually happened on February. Huh. As uh, all the good classics, uh, Grave Digger, mm-hmm. Scooby Doo, yeah, Soldier Fortune, Black Ops. I don't remember that one. I literally only remember Gravedigger because the announcer guy was always like, see all your favorites like this guy you never heard of or this guy you never heard of or Gravedigger. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. And they all look like monster trucks. That's pretty cool. But I never actually went to a monster truck rally. That's the kind of thing that I should have did once. I'm going to do that with my kids one of these days if they you yeah. know, don't die because of the coronavirus. Shut up. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, That's unlikely. It's more likely you'll die from the coronavirus. I'd rather not. I I, I think I'm going to avoid that. Anywho, today's second beer of the week is Ruby Bliss White Ale from Odell. So this is a ale brewed with grapefruit and coriander. So I've had a handful of beers with coriander and other stuff to give it kind of a usually they go for like a sweet and spicy kind of thing so i feel like this is probably what that's going to go for Mm. grapefruit and coriander sounds interesting how is it it's actually not very sweet well that it might be like reasonably sweet but i just came off of an apple teeny so (laughs) i just can't tell how sweet it is but you You definitely get a little right yeah hmm Mm. But you definitely get some of that coriander flavor, that sort of um, almost herbal sort of sense. Uh, yeah, that's actually not that bad. Um, hmm. I'm going to take another swig here. Hmm. That's pretty good, actually. Um, I'm going to do a 14 on that. That's pretty good. Nice. Yeah, all right, so shall we get into the table topic? Because the table topic is first today, woohoo! Um, so this is a kind of a thing that I kind of thought um, in um, our last session of D&D that we played, uh, we played our first session online last week because we're, you know, social distancing and whatever. Um, and it, I thought it was kind of cool, but um, I thought there was once or twice where uh, the DM was playing... Um, uh, character, which I've done this before, and uh, for the most part it was fine, but I feel like there was one or two moments where it it almost felt like the DM was kind of almost using this character as the main character. Uh, So we're going to kind of talk about being a GM and playing an NPC that is, quote-unquote, your character. Uh, Because I do this sometimes kind of as a tool just to be like, here's the guy that has the MacGuffins and knows where to go to the MacGuffin next. And, you know, if you need a contact in town, he, he, he does that, you know, is, is more or less just the, uh, what do we do? Let's look in the menu in our quest log, <laughs> you know, 
and he just kind of points the PCs towards the direction of the story is usually what I try to do with that. And I think I've generally been successful with that. Uh, yeah. I, and so this is the GMPC and problem. Yeah. It's been around for a long time. Uh-huh. And the advice I think I would used to give was just avoid it. Uh-huh. GM is the GM and not a player. But there is a valid reason for having characters accompany the party uh, for other reasons. But as like an information source or a support. Uh, but the idea is not to have that character get treated as uh, more important than the other characters. Yeah, I almost feel like... not have them get treated as uh, basically the GM's tool for here is the direction of the adventure. Yeah, because I feel like if you're going to be a douche about railroading, then, like, just just don't be a douche about railroading. And that's, like, not... I, I don't know. That's not a... I don't like railroading anyways, so that's not ever what I've tried to do with, with these characters. But usually if I do have a character like this, then I'm just like, hey, the story's over there. And then if the PCs want to go somewhere else anyway, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm along for the ride. I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> You know, um, so uh, for the most part, it was OK uh, that last session, but I feel like it was just like once or twice. But I feel like this is a thing that could get out of hand. So uh, I want to know what kind of your thoughts on it were if you're going to do this because uh, you have a story to tell that involves this character or if you just want them to be there to kind of uh, eke the players in the right direction. How do you avoid uh putting them up on that pedestal because uh i feel like you you want to either have them i feel like the highest you want to have them is still below the importance of the pcs right the story i feel like should always still be about the pcs and your characters whoever they are like especially if they're an npc should not be as important the only DM-controlled characters that should be as important as the PCs are the villains. That's kind of my take. What do you think about that? Did I lose you? I hear no Chris. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, huh. My Chromebook seems to have completely crashed or something. It doesn't seem to be responding at all. That's weird. I'm going to close it and open it back up. Sorry, oh faithful podcast audience. We're going to take a short break while I figure out where the hell Chris went. Sorry for that slight delay. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the commercial break that I didn't put. Oh, we should have a commercial break. Uh, Odell Brewing Company makes such good beer. You can hear them drunk on Drink to the Past. Uh, that was our commercial break. Thank you. Anyways, sorry about that. My uh, internet crapped out for no apparent reason, and I had to fix it suddenly. I was um, not exactly sure what happened, but 
resetting my router made the problem go away. So now we're back on the podcast. So what do you think about uh, GMs using their own guy? Uh, should they be able to um, have their own? Uh, like, I think they should be able to have some of their own guys kind of tell the story through those NPCs. But I feel like they should be less than the player characters. Uh, even at the height of them, if they're NPCs, I think the only GM-controlled characters that should be as important or more important to the story than the PCs should be the villains. And I agree with you on that. So, I have come up with a kind of workable uh, different way of doing prominent NPCs uh-huh. that are the player's allies. And the way I do that is I let the players take control of them so that I occasionally give them voice. Uh-huh. Well, other than that, the players control them in combat and things like that. Okay, that's kind of an interesting way to go about it. Um, Owen is one of our buddy DMs that uh, did that a uh, little bit. Um, actually, when we, we kind of got... Uh, we were doing this like zombie apocalypse sort of thing and we all got kind of stuck into this little ragtag group of survivors and uh, he gave us all their character sheets so it was kind of cool there was like this uh, old baker lady that beat people over the head with a rolling pin and uh, this slightly crazy um, mortician that stabbed people with an embalming tool different things like that uh, so I, I think that is a, a good way to do that, especially since then you can like create kind of a handful of different characters that might be important to the story or at the very least like help the story along, make it for an interesting cast and interesting camaraderie with the party, stuff like that. Yeah, just so long as the party is the group making the decisions and getting the most screen time mm-hmm. uh, and the GM character or characters that accompany the party are mostly there in a support role they're not there to a, to point out the direction even if it the GM isn't trying to railroad yeah um players can end up following it as a command from the GM uh, at worst. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so what do you think as a GM are things that you could do other than that to just like, especially if you wanted to have like one guy who's kind of, okay, this is my character. He's sort of in the party, but he's not really in the party. If that's the route you want to go, is there any tips that you think would uh, help just avoid overtaking the players and presenting him as the main character? Uh, make sure he's off-screen most of the time or, or in a supporting role that the players and their characters are the ones calling shots, making the big moments most of the time. Uh-huh. 
And this is all like a 90% thing. Yeah. It's okay 10% of the time for something else to be going on. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's something that I kind of tried to practice with uh, the character that I was talking about a little earlier. Uh, that I, because I have one particular character that this applies to more than any other. Like I've pretty much only had like a few campaigns where I've done this, but there's one where I really did this, and uh, the guy's name was Doc. Ended up being one of my most played characters that I've actually replayed in other campaigns and different systems and different things, and I'm, like, kind of trying to track, like, a, a mythology of Doc of all the weird different alternate dimensions he's been in or something because he's been in different campaigns in the future and different systems and all sorts of weird stuff. Um, yeah. But one of the things that I kind of used, like, I when I first created him, I didn't even think he was going to be a really interesting character, but then actually the players sort of connected with him a little bit, so I kept him around because uh, um, I decided I wanted this guy to have some motivation to help the players because basically I started the players in a pub in this pirate campaign, and my goal was to make a ship full of pirates, and how better to do that than introduce them to a character who comes up to them and is like, hey guys, you want to steal that ship and be some pirates with me? <laughs> and they were like, okay, uh, what's the catch? And he's like, I'm the captain. And they're like, okay. And like, you would think that like the guy who's the captain, who's trying, who's got all these crazy goals of being one of the uh, one of the goals, uh, it, this was sort of loosely based on One Piece uh, in some aspects of the story. So, like, he kind of wanted to ascend to that, like, King of the Pirates kind of level was part of his shtick. Um, but as soon as he got his ship, he was just like, all right, we've got it. I'm the captain. I'm going to drive us. Where do we need to go? And they were like, uh, I don't know. Didn't you have a plan? He's like, no, I'm just the captain. <laughs> they're like what and like as far as he could tell captain just means the guy who drives the ship and fires the cannons and at all other times is drinking grog or fishing yeah doc ended up working out as that kind of character most because showed up mostly as either support in combat or as a way of when the rest of the, when the group was stuck, basically, as driving things forward. Yeah, because that's kind of how I would do it, because I kind of created this as an open world campaign also. So you, wherever you guys went, I was like, Doc's heard a rumor about this place, or Doc has a contact here and he's going to go buy some really cool cannons. Uh, but then that ends up like, uh-oh, the uh, underground cannon deal went through, and now you guys have to, like run and escape out of town and get back to the docks and then outrun the Navy ships as they're trying to capture you and stuff like that. So I used it as a plot hook more than anything else because 99% of the time, if you guys were like off the ship, he was like, okay, I'll see you when you get back. I'll be drinking grog and fishing. Then we get up to shit on our own. Yeah. And then when you were on the ship, then, like, he'd help in combat, but basically he'd just, like, make the drive checks to make the ship, you know, keep on its course so that everybody else could pay attention to the combat. And then occasionally he'd run over and fire a cannon. Which 
were literally his skills. I literally tooled the character <laughs> extremely well to do this, but, you know, it didn't really matter because all he was doing was driving and firing a cannon. Because <laughs> he's the captain. <laughs> Have you ever used a character like this, Chris? I'm trying to... In my most recent game, I have a few characters that kind of approach this. Uh-huh. Uh, most importantly, probably being the character who's basically that uh, region equivalent of Jesus. <laughs> but the thing is, that character... I have their. I handed their character sheet off to the players. Uh-huh. And I said, "You guys get to decide what to do with this person." And I get voice that character, uh-huh. but the group is free to go in the direction they want. Right. And if the direction they want is even as far as killing that character, I would just go with it. Right. Yeah, because that's actually. Kind of reminds me of the, because uh, I was trying to think about your DM experience with me, and I'm like, has Chris ever done this? Because I, the only, the closest thing I could think of was one of the first few times we played D and D together. We were together at your place, and uh, we're like a level one new party. Most of us have never played D and D before, and um, we're like, we get this quest to go into a cave and kill a guy or something i don't know but uh you introduced like a cleric that's just like also in the pub overhears the conversation and offers to help he's like oh yes of course and you're basically just trying to be like here's a healer so that you guys don't totally die because you've got like three guys and none of you is a healer uh so you're just that trying was to, the point of that character yeah you were giving us this little extra help but then we're like we leave town and uh one of our other players Devin, is just like i'm paranoid about this guy i'm gonna tie him to a tree and leave him there we're like okay <laughs> <laughs> this poor cleric like, okay. he's just trying to help us you're just trying to he's give like, us the additional oh you tie him up heels. and and he pees himself <laughs> yeah he's just like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, maybe that's why Chris never does this because he tried to once and he's like, no, you did not know what you had when you had it, so I am taking it away. <laughs> so, yeah, the point of that character was to just give you guys a little extra help. Yeah, which luckily we ended uh, up getting through the encounters okay, uh, so that was fine. Yeah. But I, I just, I, I kind of remember that as one of our touchstone moments of our first few D&D adventures. It's like Devin's the guy that ties the cleric to a tree and Kyle's the guy that tries to rape the bartender. Yep. <laughs> you know, this is our D&D uh, those... group in a nutshell. <laughs> well, or at least, you know, half of the D&D group that was back then. Hmm. That was back then. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the... So what I'm describing here is basically the most DMPC uh, thing I've done in a long time. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm going to make pains to make sure that this character is important, but these guys are more important because they actually decide what happens. Yeah. Through their actions. Mm-hmm. 
Is there anything else you want to say on this topic here? You're going down again? You fool. Is there anything else you want to say on this topic here? Again? Oh, did you go somewhere? Yeah. Uh, I was confused because you said something about going down. I was like, who are you going down on, Chris? I thought your internet went down. Oh, no. Seems to no, be okay. Apparently, I just lost audio connection to you. Oh, you drunken idiot. Go home, you're drunk. No, uh, wait. Go home, I'm drunk. Wait. You are home. Oh, yeah. I'll stay oh. home, I'm drunk. And and there's a virus. Anyways, Happy is there anything... Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, yeah, it was also my birthday, I forgot. Um, that was pretty uh, cool. On my birthday, I uh, finished God of War and got uh, The Last of Us. So I started that. That's pretty cool. You're welcome. You're thanked, woo. My wife got it for me. She's great. If my wife wasn't married, I'd say you should find a girl like her. But, like, if you hit on my wife, I'll beat you up or something. So is there anything else you want to say on this topic, Chris? I think I've asked that three times now, accidentally, even though one was to your broken audio. Yes. Go ahead. For your third time of asking, I would say if you're a GM, don't just play a GM PC because you don't just play a character as if they were your player character because that's not your role. It interferes with the player's roles. Uh huh. What? You also got, but even then, you got to be careful with how you deal with players, characters, allies. Mm-hmm. Uh, since you want to not inadvertently restrict them or point them in a direction they're not interested in going. Mm-hmm. But you can have ally characters like that and have lots of fun with them. Yeah. And have it not be a detriment to the game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a, one more example, actually, that I kind of thought of. Um, so we've done a handful of times where we've done kind of round-robin-style DMs where it's like, okay, I'll DM this session and you'll DM this session. And we've kind of passed off DMing within the same campaign. Um, at that point, every DM has to have a character. Uh, so what do you think about them running that character in that case? Does that change the case? Does that change the... Uh, dimension of it drastically or should they still kind of stay more subdued? Uh, I think it's more okay in that case so long as they're they're mostly in a supporting role right? for when they're running the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because the lines are blurred I would be fine with them just being one more yeah. player character. Because I feel like that's uh, sort of what happened uh, in our last game. Because it's not like... I, I don't feel like our DM was like kind of going out of his way to be a douche about it or anything. But like there was uh, this weird like test thing at the start of it. Where it's like, okay, everybody's getting like bronze tier crowns. And then his character is like, ooh, I get a silver tier crown. Because I'm more broken than all of you. And I was like, that's eh, a little weird. But on the other hand, this was originally a campaign that you created and conceptualized and then he took over the reins for when you didn't have time to pay attention to it. Yeah. 
So I was like, okay, he's invested into this. So I'm first of all, I wasn't angry at it for that. And also it was like after that, he mostly was just like, yeah, he was in combat, but he was like not specifically any more effective than most of the party. Because most of our party was pretty good at being useful in combat. I feel like the circumstances around this made it fine. Mm -hmm. Since it was... uh, originally a game I was going to run and then just ran out of time to prepare for. Uh, and so I was happy to see it get taken over. Yeah. In this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I feel like it's still going in that similar direction. Uh-huh. It just has uh, one more character in the mix. Yeah. So it, it would be right on the edge normally. I wouldn't. I would say uh, most cases this wouldn't be okay, but in this particular case, it is. Right. Cool. Is that all we have for that? Uh. Yes. Cool. In that case, we're going to hit our video game topic, which is just the best characters ever. Uh, which also, I, I it was funny because I saw like IGN did a poll on this on their Twitter recently, and it was like four uh, Twitter polls of various characters from different video game franchises and stuff. Uh, and it's just like... They almost seem like, I don't know if they were randomly picked or biasedly picked, but it was like, I felt like it was odd that there's like 16 characters and there was like a lot of, like, if you ask anybody, I feel like somebody, if, if you just get in a group of gamers and ask for great characters, somebody's going to say, if not Cloud Strife, then somebody from Final Fantasy VII, and if not from Final Fantasy VII, from somewhere in Final Fantasy and there was not a single Final Fantasy character on the list. Uh, there was uh, like there was a lot of glaring, uh, like characters missing from great character lists. And like at the on the other hand, then you also had like Mario and Luigi and Donkey Kong, I think, which are all like fine characters, but like they have no character development whatsoever in a single one of any of their games. So, like, so if, if you're was... talking about, it, 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 I guess it, it, it also kind of depends because they, their, their blanket statement was best characters ever, you know. So it wasn't like, is this the most deeply impactful character, the best written character, the best acted character, or is it just a plain badass? Because like, I feel like on some of these polls, I was like voting the opposite way. Because like, you know, on if you're just asking for badassery, like Link and Doom Guy are my picks for those all day uh but if you're asking the other side then i'm gonna be like you know kratos from god of war was on there uh he's a good one i feel like stuff like that usually when these polls come up and they're just it's evaluated on bestness Mm -hmm. they're usually just well this one's my favorite right so this is mostly an excuse for us to talk about our characters that we just like 
Yeah, which I think that was fine, but I thought it was a really oddly positioned way to do it from IGN this week. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't pay attention to almost anything IGN ever does. <laughs> yeah. When, really, this is all a bunch of bullshit, and none of this matters. Right. Except for, uh, Doom Guy is a great character. Yeah, because he's Link. I saw a theory video on that, and now I'm, like, totally convinced. Because, like, uh, Doom Guy, like is asleep at the beginning of his games, which happens with Link several times. He's left-handed like Link, traditionally wears green, and is reincarnated over and over to save the world from a terrifying evil. It's just a slightly different terrifying evil. Yeah, it's just like thousands of years in the future, Ganondorf has morphed into the Cyber Demon. Right? Yeah. Pretty sure that's how that works. <laughs> you know what? I'm sold. Yeah. Well, that's just a theory. Again. Don't say it. We'll get sued. I'm kidding. They don't like, listen to our podcast. <laughs> I was like... Yeah. But yeah, so... been sued before? The what? Game theory guys? Maybe. I don't know. People get sued all the times. Yeah, for stupid reasons. Yeah. Um, I almost talked about uh, people getting sued over uh, Dreams. Um, have you seen that with the Nintendo stuff in Dreams? Do you know what Dreams is? No. No. So Dreams is this PS4 game that came out a month or two ago that basically it's like a create-your-own-game tool and you can like tweak physics you can make different things and so people are not only making their own original games but they're also like going out of their way to like recreate other games like i saw one guy like recreated all of blood gulch from halo one and almost perfectly recaptured the physics of driving the warthog and stuff like that and uh anyways a lot of them have been like redoing like super mario levels and zelda levels and apparently nintendo is like suing a bunch of them because you post your levels online and then like everybody can like anybody who has the game has access to them like super mario maker um, i mean are they protected by trademark um because if they're not protected by trademark then nintendo's being a dick Right. Um, I mean, they are literally making levels that are identical to Super Mario levels and calling them, like, Super Mario Brothers New Donk City and stuff like that. So, I bet there's probably grounds. I don't know the extent. I didn't read a lot about it, but I thought it I was mean, just a kind of an that interesting That might be covered by trademark. Yeah. And if it's covered by trademark, then they have to defend it. Yeah, but if it's not covered by trademark and it's just copied by covered by copyright, mm -hmm. then uh, they're just being dicks. Oh, by the way, not a lawyer. None of this is legal advice. Right? Yeah, we don't give legal advice. We only give beer goal advice. Uh, yeah, or something. That was that's thing. truly grand. Yeah. Um, so anyways, what do you think makes a really good character, particularly in a video game? Do you think it's different than a character in a book or a movie? Uh, 
Yes, because you engaged with a game in a fundamentally different way. Uh-huh. So, protagonist has to be a different kind of character than the kind of protagonist you would have in a book. Uh, like, pants-type protagonists are generally more favorable in a game than in a book. Uh-huh. I think the only book I can think of that that has a pants-type protagonist is Twilight. And it's it's not very good. I don't feel like that's a controversial statement. Right, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I never read any of the Twilight books, but um, I did have the misfortune of playing World of Warcraft in the room adjacent to the room where my sister was watching the first movie. And uh, while not paying attention to it, because I'm playing World of Warcraft, I could hear how bad the acting was. Oh. And, and how bad the scripting was. And I was just like, why... What, why is this so bad? Could, why is this making money? Like, I, I don't feel like I'm an amazing author, but I feel like I have written, like, 25 times better material than what I heard from that. You know I'm what? Like, to be fair, you probably have. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but getting back to good characters... Mm. Uh good NPC characters, ally characters, uh, because you engage with things in a different way, they tend to be different than, say, a character in a book. They're probably the most similar. Uh Uh, Villains are... uh, It depends on the game. It's a game. If it's a fighting game, it can be as ridiculously evil as necessary. If it's an RPG, you want them to have lots of depths so that you have lots of different ways to resolve whatever their evil plan is. Yeah. Thinking of the master from Fallout. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When I say this. Yeah, um, I think that's an interesting, because I didn't actually think of villains versus NPCs versus, you know, uh, controllable characters, main characters, when I conceptualized the question, but now that you put it that way, it really does kind of change the perspective, because like you said, NPCs are kind of closer to book characters, where you ju- you can just see what they do and be like, okay, yeah, that's that's fine, <laughs> or, uh, or movie characters, it's the same. But I feel like the biggest difference between a movie character and a video game character uh, for the main character kind of has to be that in a book or a movie, like you, you're kind of this third party. You're watching it from afar, seeing it unfold, seeing them make the decisions. But in a video game, you're kind of it's it's almost going a step further than a movie or a book really can, where you're kind of engaging with that character, you're becoming that character, so to speak. And you're making the decisions is what it feels like. Uh, so I feel like you all, even if you don't agree with those decisions as a person, you have to be like understanding. You have to be shown why this character is making this decision. And you have to 
agree with their reasoning based on them, who they are as a character. So I feel like you have to almost go like way more in depth than you do to make a good movie or a good book character, which might be why like a good movie can be like, you know, two hours. That's fine. But like, I feel like to get a great video game with a lot of characterization and that kind of thing where you love it just as much, you almost need more time than that. You know, like short games are like 10, 15 hours. Right. And then the longer they are, I feel like you get even more in in most cases. As uh, Tony Stark and Iron Man 2, if that was a game, can you imagine how boring it would be that? I'm trying to remember which one. Oh, Iron Man 2 was the one with Whiplash, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or Indiana Jones and Raiders Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh huh. Uh, That would kind of suck as a game. Uh huh. Because Indiana Jones uh, mostly doesn't have an impact on anything that happens in that movie. Right. Um, to an extent. I've heard that argument, and it's like, it's kind of funny, but, you know, it's it is, he's still important. But I feel like also, I'm trying to f- remember what it was called. There was a really cool Indiana Jones video game back on, I think, original Xbox... Uh, where you play Indiana Jones and you're diving through ruins and beating up cultists and stuff like that. Um, and it really just felt like a really good way. So I feel like the character could be presented in a video game in a different way that would make it work. But again, yes. it, it would have to be a different presentation. Because I kind of agree, you know, if you're just watching Indiana Jones go through the motions, that's actually one little complaint I have with God of War is that uh, occasionally there's, like, these climbing segments where you're, like, just watching Kratos move around this, you know, giant pillar, and he's climbing up, and he's, you know, volleying to get to the next uh, grappling point. But, like, there's no danger at hand. You can't... And and you're you're controlling this. And I'm just like, why am I bothering to control this instead of watching a cutscene, right? Because, like, you're... I'm basically holding up until it doesn't let me anymore, and then I go left or right until it doesn't let me anymore, and occasionally I push circle to jump to the next thing. Like, those segments of that game, like, they were cool because it really added a lot of verticality to the levels, a lot of cool exploration, but actually doing it was just tedious, and I was like, why can't it just be a fucking ladder? And that's the issue with uh, the whole cinematic game. Yeah. It's, that, it's cool. That's a cool thing to watch, but it's not really a cool thing to play through. Yeah. It depends on... I, I feel like also there's a, another side to that coin, though, because Spider-Man for PS4 kind of does the same thing in some cases where it's like you're in these scenes and you're, like, falling through the air, fighting a helicopter and slingshotting guns away from bad guys, and it's it's got a scene that plays out, 
but you actually have to do things within the scene, like aim both of your web shooters with the individual joysticks at the same time to slingshot the two guys' guns out of their hands or uh, grapple, uh, you know, the helicopter and a building or, you know, different stuff like that. Or you have to dodge at the right time. And it's, it's little things, but they feel more impactful and then if you don't do them, then you'll get punched in the face. The helicopter will crash. Something like that. There will be an adverse effect. Whereas in God of War, it's just like, whatever, I'm just, I, I just kind of look around until I find where to push circle to jump to the ledge, right? Uh, so I feel like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I feel like. But <laughs> they're both good, but, you know, Spider-Man did that particular thing better. Anyways, um, Spider-Man was a really good character in Spider-Man. Um, there was a lot of kind of things going on with that. Uh, it was a really sort of a different uh, take on Spider-Man, I felt like. Because it's like it's still the same Spider-Man, but he's in a different place in his life than you've seen in any of the movies or any of the uh, old TV show. Uh, you know, I remember reading uh, the comics as a kid, and I never saw anything quite like this. And I imagine that, you know, most forms of Spider-Man anything anymore are like, okay, yeah, it's based on this specific comic by this person and this time and came out in 1979. And I'm probably missing something there, but, like, for most players, I feel like everything that happened was a kind of a surprise. And it, it took a lot of kind of cool ways to go through it and introduce, like, uh, segments where you played as Mary Jane or Miles Morales as well. So I think it was a really cool story presentation for him as a character and his interactions with all these other characters as well. <clears throat> yeah, I think based on everything I've heard, it sounds like Spider-Man was well done. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to give a shout out to one of the most unappreciated, underappreciated uh, non-player characters in games. Ralph the from the Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons. Ages. 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 No, 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 no. No. The Goomba. The Goomba. From, from the Mario Legend Bros. of Zelda Link's from Awakening. Super Mario Bros. And from the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Aha, I win. And from like a whole lot of games. Right. But the original Goomba, yeah. as a character, was there to teach you walking into enemies is bad. Yeah. Enemies will move at you. And you can jump on them to kill them. That is what a good ca character looks like in a video game. Yeah, it, it taught you like 80% of the mechanics of Super Mario Brothers 1 in 10 seconds. Yeah. Like, the only thing it didn't teach you was hold B to run. That is something the advanced class got to figure out uh -huh. on their own. Yeah. And then going in a totally different direction, Kim Kitsuragi from Disco Elysium mm -hmm. is a very in-depth straight man mm -hmm. uh, character to your idiot, manic, psychotic detective. So he's the by-the-book cop to your insane cop cool and it gets pulled off very well he plays off your character 
in a very cool way. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what options you end up picking. And because this is an RPG with a lot of dialogue choices and a lot of real choice in general, uh, he has a bunch of different ways of reacting to a situation, but they're all very subtle. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to go a little more obscure, but um, a couple of characters from Final Fantasy IV that get very little recognition, but I thought they were, like, just phenomenal, is uh, Palom and Poram. The, uh, like, in the second town you go to or something, you team up with these little brother and sister, uh, one's a white mage and one's a black mage, and they got this ability that they can uh, cast spells together to do different things, and it's pretty cool. Um, and they start out as just kind of village kids that don't really know, you know, they're just like almost in over their heads and they're, you know, uh, the black mage, uh, is the boy and he's just kind of all like all raring to go for the adventure, but his sister keeps kind of chiding him to be like, no, calm down. You know, there's monsters out there. It's dangerous, stuff like that. And so they got a lot of camaraderie kind of between themselves and, um, then kind of looking up to Tella the sage, uh, when you meet him later, uh, I feel like there's a lot of cool character reactions. Um, and then, uh, slight spoiler, but it really kind of all culminates when the party is, like, stuck in this um, room, right? And the walls are closing in, gonna, like, crush everybody together. And uh, Palom and Poram go to the walls and cast stone on each other and turn each other into stone uh, so that they can... Uh, become part of the wall and hold it back for everybody so it doesn't crush everybody but because they turn themselves into stone like the uh magic isn't reversible so it's like they they die there and they gave their life for everybody else in the party and it's like holy crap that's like way deeper than sephiroth stabbing your girlfriend because he's a douche from what i understand Final Fantasy IV had a lot more of those character moments, too. Um, yeah, in general. Because, uh, like, I like the characters from Final Fantasy VII, certainly. But I feel like Final Fantasy IV just completely outclasses it in that regard. Every single character in that game, really, is just phenomenal. Um, Cecil is a little bit of, like, your generic anime swordsman guy. Like, yeah, let's go do what's right and stuff. Uh-huh. Um... But other than that, he still has kind of a cool arc, too, because he starts out as this dark knight and uh, is doing everything that his king tells him to because uh, the king, like, took him in and raised him as his own son and stuff like that. So it's like, but then the king turns evil, and so he's like, he has some kind of morally ambiguous things he's got to do at the start of the game, which kind of leads him to uh, renounce his dark knightness and go become a paladin. So that's pretty cool. Um, and and he's like the weakest character. And he's still got like that pretty cool setup there. But then like Rydia the Summoner has this whole thing with the uh, party inadvertently murdered her mother. Um, Kane has this whole thing with like 
I feel like he's got almost the same thing as Cecil, where he's like also was raised by the king and like didn't he had a long time where he didn't know if he should follow the king or follow his own morals or what and so he was like everything Cecil did but like way cooler uh, and then Tella obviously had his story and the bard uh, Edward oh my gosh just everybody in that game was freaking amazing Uh, Final Fantasy 4 is just my favorite Final Fantasy in general. Just good. Still one I need to play. Yeah, you nerd. Want to borrow my Game Boy Advance copy? I might buy a PC copy. That'll work. <laughs> um, yeah. So, let's see. Any other... Shoutouts here. We've gone through a pretty good number, but I feel like we could go on forever. Uh, Want to give a couple of more? Let's see. Hmm. Trying to think of characters that are good in video games specifically. Right. That, and I'm not going so to name all- any Undertale. <laughs> Geralt doesn't count because Geralt was from a book first. <laughs> <laughs> well, if a character was made to work in a video game. Right, yeah. I Which I, I feel like generally game. people who have played The Witcher are all like, oh yeah, he's a fantastic character. I love him. So, yeah, I mean, he's probably pretty good anyways. Um, I feel uh, like he's presented mean, well almost in the way that we were talking about in the show, though, because you can usually yeah. kind of because that's another thing, though, that in a show he's like he's got this much character development uh, that, you know, because the show of the first season is probably I think it's like 10 episodes or something. And each of them is about an hour. So that's 10 hour runtime. That's a short game. Right. So he gets as much character development as that. So you can kind of see where his decisions are coming from. So uh, I imagine in an actual 40, 50, 100 hour game or whatever Witcher games are, I think they're fairly long because Witcher 3 is a pretty massive open world. Um, But yeah, so I imagine in that time he probably comes out pretty well. <clears throat> One of those games I I've been meaning to play. Got a game there? I was uh, trying to think of what it was, but I got it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name any Undertale characters. Right. Because I feel like Undertale deserves its own special thing. Uh-huh. If you haven't played it already, you're probably sick of hearing about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Another one of those games that I've been meaning to play. Now that I'm stuck inside with coronavirus, maybe I'll <laughs> get around to Undertale if I... Actually, I've been kind of thinking about getting another game for my Switch, so maybe I'll get that. Um, and I, I would highly, re- highly recommend it. Yeah. I could also finish Celeste. I'd also recommend finishing Celeste. Yeah. <laughs> Celeste is good. Yeah, I think that's the only game that I'm really gung-ho that I kind of want to finish on Switch right now. Um, But speaking of Switch games, um, this isn't actually a Switch game. Uh, This is a multi-console game. Um, 
Uh, Valhalla has a lot of really, really good characters. Um, I've talked about that here, um, but just kind of one of the highlights is the main character, Jill Stingray, um, it is kind of the player you play as. Uh, she's like this bartender in this crazy-ass post-apocalyptic world. Um, you know, everything's going to shit. Like, sometimes you're not sure if it's post-apocalyptic or mid-apocalyptic. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, you know, there's it, like all the characters are great. For, you know, they they all have like even random guys. They come in the bar like one time are like you kind of remember them. Uh, and, and so then even if they don't show up for like another three weeks, you're just like, oh, I remember that guy. <laughs> you know, they've all got some weird quirk or an interesting thing going for them. Um, but Jill is kind of there uh, in the background and most of the time she's just like being cool being a bartender like okay yeah whatever buddy i'll fix your drink you're paying me i don't care um but she's also kind of got this other backstory that you kind of discover along the way about um you know her previous love interests and things like that and shit really goes south one time when she finds out that uh uh spoilers i'm not gonna tell about it but um uh, then she kind of goes through this whole thing uh, about, you know, trying to fix up, you know, what could have been almost. So it's a lot of really cool story arcs with her specifically because she's the main character. But everybody else as well is just great in that game. <laughs> I do. OK, I thought of the game. Uh you Killed thought of the game, my, that means you lost. My, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, Chris just uh, lost the game. Knight, I have not played Shovel Knight, Sean. That's okay, one of those other well, games that I've kind of vaguely been meaning to and eyeing from the side and being like, eh, there's a knight with a shovel. It's hilarious. Did you drop out again? Well, what the hell did you do that for, Chris? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, there you are. I'm back. Hooray! Okay, so uh, what about Shovel Knight? So Shield Knight from Shovel Knight mm -hmm. uh, is Shovel Knight's long-lost love interest. Kinky. Who works... She's kind of a play on, like, the Princess Peach okay. type in terms of being a motivating factor for Shuffle Knight. Uh-huh. But it's given much more depth in that game. Uh, and her characterization makes her much stronger overall than, say, Princess Peach. So, so Princess Peach could be replaced with, like, a bag of treasure. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Shovel Knight, uh, Shield Knight is shown to be important to Shovel Knight throughout the entire journey. And near the end of the game, she becomes important in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm not sure would really come off as well in, say, a movie or a show. Mm hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I can't say what those ways are because it's spoilers. Damn you, spoilers. 
Yeah, that's how that goes sometimes, huh? Yep. Yep. All right. Well, so we've gone through a lot of characters that are just great for uh, being like characters that show off characterization and have a deep storyline connection and a deep connection to the character. Um, let's go over some characters that are just fucking cool. I'm talking about Doom Guy again. Oh yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was hoping. <laughs> Among others, because um, like Doom Guy, I feel like is like just the epitome of that kind of character. He's just like amazing, badass for no particularly good reason. Runs around, you know, ripping demons in half with his bare hands. Because why the hell not? Um, you know, rip and tear on all that. Grabs chainsaws, grabs a double chainsaw in Doom 64. The chainsaw in Doom 64 is two chainsaws. I didn't know that, and it's fucking cool. Huh. <laughs> I was like, when I got the chainsaw, I was like, oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Doom 64 is also pretty good, by the way. Um, and it's like five bucks, so why the fuck not? Um... See, but just yeah, cool just characters. Yeah, just ripping apart demons, going shotguns all over the place. Now that he's got a grappling hook on his shotgun, it's even better. And he's got a fucking flamethrower and all this in Doom Eternal. And I'm just like, I want to play it so much, but I want to get it on Switch. <laughs> I really like Minsk from Baldur's Gate. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's just a brain damaged berserker. Mm-hmm. from the Far East. Uh, I think it's the Far East anyway. And mm-hmm. he has a giant miniature space hamster as a pet. And he tends to yell very strange things when running into combat. Nice. Um, Link. Everybody likes Link. Yeah, Link. Because he's got. I mean, do we need to mention billion weapons? Yeah, we don't need to talk about it much. But uh, I like his characterization, particularly in Breath of the Wild, as well. He's not just like silent badass all the time. He's actually got a lot of characterization in Breath of the Wild. If you look for it, that's one of the things that some people complain about is that you have to look for it. But I don't mind that because, like, just. Like, walking around that world is, like, enough for me to, like, just... I could spend, like, days there, right? Um, And then, you know, reading over the lore that you can find in different places in uh, the Diaries of the Champions, Zelda's Diary, the King's Diary, uh, talking to Cass and learning about his... Um, Cass's teacher and stuff like that. There's a lot of characterization there, and a lot of it refers back to Link, if not specifically being characterization for Link, which is, I think, really cool. Even if he's not very particularly emotive in the actual game, other than, you know, it's it's still there. Yeah, I like his characterization in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, what about the Moblin in uh, the original Legend of Zelda that shows up in the secret room? Grumble, grumble? Or it's Not a secret one. to everybody? It's a secret to everyone. <laughs> yeah, what the hell was with that? I guess it was a secret. That he was there instead of in a dungeon. 
Grumble Grumble is still pretty funny. Grumble Grumble. It's just so random. It's just like, what the fuck? I guess it's his stomach. Yeah, uh, so part of the thing with that is that, like, the uh, translation didn't make a lot of sense because, like, in Japanese, it was, like, this uh, onomatopoeia for a stomach growling, which there is no onomatopoeia for in English. So they had to write something, and they only had, like, that much space. So they were like, grumble, grumble. (laughs) So, interesting little tidbit there for you. Grumble, grumble, moblin. Um, Any great villains? Uh, Because we were talking about how villains can be really key in tabletops as well. Uh, What are your favorite video game villains? Don't say Ganondorf first. I won't say Ganondorf first. Okay. I'm sure we could talk about him for days, so let's just skip him. <laughs> I, I mentioned him briefly earlier, but the master from the first Fallout uh-huh. is a character that's... First he comes across as a horrifying abomination, and he is. But he also is an idealist who's committed to a certain goal. So you can try and talk him out of it, but you'll fail unless you have evidence that his plan won't work. And mm-hmm. if you show him that his plan won't work, he'll kill himself. Huh. Neat. Uh, so I got a couple of cool villains. Uh, first, I'm going to do a more recent one. Uh, Cliff Unger from Death Stranding, who's kind of a villain. Uh, He he appears as a villain for a large majority of the game, Um, and you kind of learn a lot about why he's that way more towards the end of the game. Uh, So for, for all intents and purposes, he fulfills the role of a villain. But he's one of those villains where you're like, okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. But it's presented in kind of a wacky, like, trippy Kojima kind of way. (laughs) Uh, I kind of like that anyways. Um, And just there's so much characterization with this uh, character anyway. It's just written really well. uh, And he's present since the start of the game. But you don't know who he is until, like, midway through. Um, And then... Uh, also just, I feel like everything in Death Stranding was upped a little bit in, uh, spectacle and emotion because of how every character had, like, the voice actor, like, CGI'd into the role. So it looks like you're actually just looking at Mads Mikkelsen playing this character on screen, um... And I feel like that really heightened the experience for a lot of them. Uh, Norman Reedus as well was obviously really good. Um, But Mads Mikkelsen particularly um, is one of the best uh, video game, um, like, characters of all time, I think. I, I think he should really be up there. He's just a phenomenal character and phenomenally acted and just animated so perfectly that it just really brings you into that moment every time. Um, And then, uh, who else was I going to say? I was going to say Durandal, uh, 
is the villain in um, Marathon Infinity. Uh, he was kind of present in the other two Marathon games as well, but I don't remember him as much as I do it from Infinity. So uh, if you don't know the Marathon series, it was um, uh, actually a Macintosh exclusive uh, by Bungie before they produced the Halo games when Microsoft bought out the studio. Um, so it was it was a really cool it was actually a highly advanced shooter for the time because um it came out the first one i think came out in 95 or something so it was like uh right a contemporary with like doom 2 and doom 64 but in this i feel like the graphics were just way better and um you could look up and down which was like a miracle at the time for first person shooters that was really cool um, but Durandal is like, uh, this AI, and if you know anything about AI in this universe, it actually canonically shares a universe with Halo, so if you know anything about AI, like, Cortana is a smart AI, so she has no capacity for her memory, it's theoretically infinite, but after a certain amount of time, a certain amount of information goes in, uh, they go rampant, so they just kind of go insane because they're trying to process all this information all at once. It's kind of the drawback of this experimental technology. And so Durandal is this AI that has gone rampant and is trying to process all of this information, and what he ends up doing is like leading you, like you're not sure he's the villain at first, He's kind of leading you through these things, and then he's, like, glitching out at different times. So you're like, okay, hold on, something's up with him. And you learn about, uh, you know, the smart AIs and the rampancy and all that. And uh, eventually you realize that he's led you to this place that will bring you back in time to the first level of the game. And then the game just continues, and it's you're at the first level again. And then you go through the first level and in the second level and it's it's the entire game is just a loop and at the end it's just Durandal kind of explaining his plan that he's becoming immortal by sending you in an infinite time loop huh. yeah <laughs> so that's just really fucking cool and he's just g contrived this whole scheme because he's an AI that's gone insane from knowing too much So I love it. You got any more? Uh, I think I'm good for now. All right. Well, I think we'll call that good for the best characters ever. Um, <clears throat> Chris, did you bring a thing? There is I no thing not. until in-person meetups again, according to the notes here, which I see you have added that. So that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna copy and paste that up above here so that I remember not to. <laughs> ask you so chris did not bring a thing so sorry to disappoint all of you chris brings a thing fans uh i i won't be bringing this thing until i can actively show it to sean yeah and i feel like that describe it out loud for people yeah i feel like that kind of uh defeats the purpose a little bit to just kind of be like this is a thing it's kind of about this and stuff you know i feel like we get more to talk about when i can actually like look at the thing yeah cool. i agree <clears throat> All right, well, I guess that's um, the entire podcast then. I almost had another beer of the week, but uh, then I didn't. 
Um, this this Ruby Bliss actually did get a little bit more grapefruity as the apple taste washed out of my mouth. So that was kind of nice. I actually like the way the grapefruit works with the slight floralish spiciness of the uh, coriander. So that's pretty good. Um, yeah. Anything else going on with you, Chris? What you been playing lately? Good games or terrible games? Been playing Code Vein lately. Okay. I've heard of that. Uh, it's got a similar combat style to Bloodborne, from what I understand. Huh. But uh, the character is totally customizable and super anime. It's it's Neat. very anime. Nice. It's one of the more anime games I have played. Is that the one with, like, the incredibly complicated and detailed character creation system? Uh, yeah, probably. Okay, yeah, because I've seen, like, a bunch of... Like, when that game came out, I remember it now, that, like, people were just, like, making different characters from different games and animes and different stuff and just putting them into this game. That may have been Dragon's Dogma, actually. No, it was it was Code Vein. I it, uh, okay. Yeah, because it was. I remember it was fairly recently. Because uh, what did that game come out last year, right? Uh, I think it came out last year. Yeah. Yeah. So it was right about that time. Yeah. Um, and Code Vein sounds more familiar because I like I've also heard of Dragon's Dogma, but I don't remember specifically like seeing a buttload of images all over Twitter. Like every third tweet, look who I made in Code Vein. It's it's a me, Mario. <laughs> you know, all sorts of weird characters that are just like a ton of Fire Emblem ones, because I guess the, the anime kind of style of it made it really like rife for uh, Fire Emblem, obviously, because they're. A lot of anime-inspired designs there. I would say the game makes up for having just a shitload of anime stereotypes uh-huh. for that detailed character creation mm-hmm. and, you know, being a generally fun game overall. Right. Yeah, I got The Last of Us for my birthday, like I said, and so that's what I've been playing the last couple of days. I haven't played a lot, a lot of it yet, but I played kind of through the, like, there's kind of an intro segment, and then you go to a time skip, um, and it's, so it's it's pretty cool. Um, like, the intro segment is, like, one of the most kind of intense, uh, like, five-minute horror segments I've ever had in a video game, so that was pretty cool. Um so I, I kind of got on this because uh, somebody was talking online about The Last of Us 2 coming out later this year. And I was like, I haven't heard a lot because when The Last of Us came out, I was like only a Nintendo guy. So I was like, I didn't have a PS4. Actually, I think it came out on PS3 first um, and then it came out on PS4 uh, as a remastered. But... Um, I didn't have a PS3 and I didn't have a PS4 for a long time. So now I have a PS4 and I'm like, oh, I've heard, you know, like little bits here and there. I was like, is anybody recommended? Is anybody excited about this? And uh, everybody was just like, oh my God, where have you been? You haven't played this game. What the fuck's wrong with you? So I was like, okay, okay, I'll get it. Um, so yeah, so that's been pretty cool. Um, like I said, finish God of War. That had a really cool ending too. Uh, so, recommend both of those games so far. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, so now I guess we gotta talk till, you know, we run out of shit to say and say something hilarious or lewd. Or lewdarious. Yeah. Or lewdarious. Or hood. Hood? Hood? Hilarood? I got some good vodka that I used for that cocktail and it was um it's it's I've had this stuff before um but I wasn't sure if I had it on the podcast so I thought about having it on the podcast but now I'm like close too close to the end to have more vodka or are we staring at me. That's the sound of a hungry vodka. That's the sound of free vodka? A hungry vodka. Hungry vodka? Yeah. It's like, I'm gonna eat you or be drunk by you. I don't know. What What is vodka hunger for? Does vodka hunger to get sucked off? Because you suck off the top of the bottle, right? I mean, have you ever sucked off the top of a bottle of vodka? Um, yes. What kind of a fucking dumb question is that? <laughs>